Hi there, and welcome to the Heart of Play Show, the place to be where teachers of littles can get some real tips and talk about supportive play for the littles in their charge. And here's your hostess, Renee Peña-Lopez. Hi, teacher littles out there. So today I have a different type of show for you today. I have Kimberly, um, a part of KSC Consulting, taking over for the podcast for today. I have been trying for a while to narrow down and talk about wellness for teachers and how to implement that for yourself and for your kiddos in your classroom, the littles in your classroom. And um, what I find lovely about her approach is that she talks about Hague, um, the Danish concept, and dives deeper about how to use that um, in a holistic approach and um, in a way that feels practical. So I want to welcome Kimberly onto the show. And yeah, she's going to have a nice chat with you guys. All right, I'll catch you on the other side. Bye. Hello Renee, it's so lovely to finally have this opportunity to collaborate with you on your wonderful podcast. I'm really thrilled to be here and to be part of your show and to support the early educators all around the world that are listening today. Now I'm going to start by introducing who I am and tell you a little bit about me and then I will have a go at answering some of your questions. So who am I? Well, my name is Kimberly, and I'm founder of Casey Consultancy, which is an international hub for supporting early year teaching, training and inspiration. And with all the work I do, I'm all about empowering early educators to be the very best version of themselves by creating a perfect blend of professional knowledge and development alongside valuing your self-care and your well-being. And through all of the work that I've been doing over the last few years, I've had a really big focus on something that I call huga. And huga is actually a Danish term for embracing and feeling those simple, happy, cosy moments in life. In fact, there isn't a direct translation between Danish and English. It's all about a feeling that you get. And I look a lot at a huga way of living in the work that I do with early educators because I believe it is the key to having a balance or a healthy mental health. So let me tell you a little bit more about huga. So when we take all of the countries in the world and we put them into a happiness index we can see that year on year the Scandinavian countries of Norway, Denmark and Iceland are consistently at the top of the world's happiness index and when we compare where countries like the United Kingdom, the United States of America are in in comparison, we notice that they're a lot further down this chart, sometimes nearly at the bottom. So it makes us think, what is it that's happening in these countries that's so successful? What is it about their way of living that creates such a happy community? And that's what I was really fascinated in. 
So I discovered Huga for myself at a time of feeling very stressed, very anxious, doing a very fast-paced job working as an early years teacher, but also a senior leader in a primary school in England. I felt that more and more was being expected of me. I was stretching myself very thinly and really feeling like I wasn't doing anything particularly well. I would be spending my lunch times, for instance, sat with the laminator, making signs and labels for my classroom, instead of taking a moment to actually enjoy my lunch and recharge my batteries ready for a busy afternoon. I'd be finding that my time was spent with the children, rushing from one activity to the next, never really getting to know the children very well, and also not taking the time to value the process of the learning over the, over the end outcome. And so that summer, I decided to take some time out during my summer holidays away from school. And I went to visit my uh, Norwegian friend, Rungnell. And I stayed with her and her family for a few weeks. And during that time, I just got thrown into the whole Scandinavian lifestyle. So we would spend a good hour each morning eating breakfast with her family, her family that were going to work that day. Um, The breakfast was very slow. We would enjoy chatting about our intentions for the day. And this was very different to the way that I would have breakfast before work. Um, on the day that I was working. So when I was working in schools, I would get up with maybe only five to 10 minutes to spare before I needed to rush out of the house. I'd jump in the shower, grab a breakfast biscuit and be eating it on the go, which just wasn't a calm start to my day. So when I compared this to their way of living and how they just appreciated the, the start of the day and how you need to set yourself up really well, I liked this a lot. We then spent lots of time traveling around Denmark and and Norway as well. And I just started to think, wow, isn't it amazing how rush hour happens so early in Denmark? People are finishing work at three o'clock in the afternoon. Gosh, some days I would still be at school at six o'clock still working away on my laptop, then rushing home, again, grabbing something very quick to eat for my tea before switching my laptop back on. But their whole way of thinking in Denmark was that you work, you you set yourself up well for the day, you go to work, you invest in yourself over lunchtime. So you might go for a walk, have your lunch in a local park, and then come back into your workplace refreshed and ready for your afternoon. And then you work really hard in the afternoon, finish early, because the priority is that you get home in a good enough time so that you can spend time with your family and you can make memories and do lovely things together and have nice evening meals as a unit. And yeah, this was just so different to what I was doing at the time. And so I learned so much from my trip. And I started to read more about Huga and investigate it more. Um, 
I went to visit some schools in Denmark to see how their teaching and learning looked very differently to ours. For instance, children start school a lot later. So formal education begins around the ages of seven rather than at the age of four like it does in the UK. Um, before the age of seven, children are learning in a very play-based way often outdoors, in nature, and embracing all elements of the seasons, going on um, hikes each day that might be two or three miles, and yeah, just connecting with the world around them. Um, I think there's a real slowness to what they do. So yeah, I started to take all of this and I started to think, right, what can I learn from these experiences not only personally to improve my own self-care and well-being, but what can I take from it professionally? And so I started to make little changes to the way I organised my day, the way I worked with the children, and I started to slow everything down. And the impact of doing that was just incredible, really. I felt happier I felt like I had more to give to the children I was working with. I felt that I could lead my team more effectively. And it goes back to that oxygen mask um, analogy that we look at when we're taking a flight. So in case of an emergency, we're told to fit our own oxygen mask first before we help somebody else. And that's what we need to do, really, as we go through life. We need to do take care of ourselves and equip ourselves in the best possible way that we can so that we have more to give. You know, days when I was really stressed and anxious, I would be going into my workplace feeling these emotions. And we know from research on the brain that the brain loves imitation. So if I'm walking into work feeling stressed and anxious and worried, then I'm going to be giving off those vibes and those people that I come into contact with, either in my team or the children I'm working with, are going to feel that as well. And they're going to start taking on those feelings and emotions. So you can see how, how it can soon escalate and how you feel in one particular way can influence the way those around you are feeling. So that's a little bit about my journey. Um, I want to share with you now some quick little changes that you can make today just to help you feel a little bit better and embrace Huga even more. I do lots of work now with educators all around the world at slowing things down and creating a movement where we value the mental health of our educators. And um, you can check out my website, if you like, after this podcast, www.hugainearlyyears.co.uk, where you can find out a lot more information about the services I offer and the training that I run. But I just want us to dip our toes very slightly into Huga on our podcast today and think about some of the key things that you're probably wanting to know as an educator today. Like, for instance, how can I create an environment that promotes Huga? Well, when we look at the Scandinavian homes, even though they have such harsh, long winters, they are full of nature. 
So lots of nature is brought inside, lots of house plants, things like um, wooden branches that might be displayed in a beautiful way, in a vase perhaps, or using a piece of driftwood to rest your candles on in the middle of your dining table, so that it's helping to bring nature inside when you're maybe not going out quite as much as you would have done in the summer. Um, we know that nature is good for us from a science point of view. It helps us to be healthier. Um, we can also, um, you know, have things like flowers that have been picked from our garden, displayed in jam jars and mason jars in our home. And all of these things can easily be transferred into our classroom. I like to have in my learning environment lots of things like twinkly lights and LED candles so that we're helping to create that warm glow. Um, I worked with one setting last month that always had their blinds down in their classroom and it just made the space feel so dark. So I said, let's just open up our blinds. Let's let some natural light in. And so that's what we did. And it really did make a difference. So it's thinking about how you can bring more light into your spaces. It's about turning off your big lights that you have on the ceiling or your strip lighting, which can cause so many headaches and migraines. And instead going for more um, things like lamps and um, floor lamps so that you can create, again, a different um, sort of uh, lighting feel to it. So... It's looking at what you might have in your home to make it feel like yours and to make it feel cosy and then taking that and putting it into our classroom space. Now, a big thing that I noticed in many of the Scandinavian homes that I visited was that they all had cosy little spaces in to relax, perhaps a window seat so that you can sit out on it and be reading a book while you're watching the snow fall outside feeling all cosy, wrapped up in a lovely fro, resting on a nice fluffy cushion with a mug of hot chocolate. So maybe you could have a go at making some cosy reading dens in your space. Um, I visited um, a classroom recently that had a little water feature in their environment and it made the most tranquil sound of just water trickling away in the background and I loved it. It just brought that sense of calmness. You might want to add things like dream catchers as well. Um, and then lastly, that sense of belonging. How can we create that in our environment to show that we are a community, we are a unit and we're all working together? So having things like family photographs up of your children um, and who's important to them, maybe um, having some nice homely touches and decorative pieces that you might have in your home, but putting these into your classroom. Um, and maybe things like picture frames and quotes so that we're seeing our classroom less as a formal learning space and more of a home from home space. That's how we get the most from our children. That's how we feel settled and they feel settled too. And they feel like this is theirs and that they belong here. Now, I often get asked, should we be creating Pinterest or Instagram worthy spaces Absolutely not. Whenever we're designing a Hugo-inspired space, 
we want to be thinking, is this right for our children? We're not just putting something in the environment because we've seen it on Instagram and we think it's a lovely idea. Instead, we want to think, I like that idea. I will maybe keep it in a folder somewhere. And if my children show that particular interest, then I can adapt it and pop it into my provision. But we want to make sure it's relevant. Another thing that I get asked all the time or an excuse that people make is we don't have a big budget. We're really struggling. We don't have much money. So how can we ever create purposeful learning environments? And I like to say that it's possible because a big thing about Huga is about embracing nature. And the wonderful thing about nature is that it's free. So you know, grow some lovely plants in a raised bed outside your classroom and bring some inside um, and display the flowers in vases. Collect some twigs on a nature walk, bring them inside and use them to support your mathematical thinking and development. Again, with things like stones and tree cookies and pine cones and acorns, nature is such a valuable resource and we can use it to support all areas of learning. So telling me that you don't have the budget to create a purposeful Hoogar-inspired environment is actually nonsense because you can use nature and nature is free. And if we're trying to create some of those homely and decorative touches, how about heading to a car boot sale or a charity shop? Um, asking a relative if they're getting rid of something they no longer need, if you can use it in your classroom, like an old tea set or a typewriter that adds curiosity and interest. So you just have to look outside of the box. But it is, it is, you, you can do it. You can create a purposeful learning environment and it doesn't take money. Something else that we can be thinking about when it comes to slowing things down is moving away from that conveyor belt approach or having a tick sheet of activities that you must get through with your children by the end of the day or the end of the week. Mm. And let's slow down our planning. Let's make planning more relevant for the needs of our children. Let's be inspired um, by what fascinates them, the questions that they ask, and let them take the lead in the learning. And so I found that when I moved away from predetermined topics, that I would plan weeks in advance, that the levels of engagement were much higher. So, for instance, when one little boy said, hmm, where does milk come from? So instead of being an educator that would just jump right in there with the right answers, I let the children talk about it between them for a little bit of time. And then my role as an educator was to scaffold and support their thinking and provide more opportunities for them to explore this interest and try and answer the questions that they had. 
So I planned for us to take a visit to a local farm where we could meet a farmer, find out more about where milk comes from. And um, we were able to watch the cows and the goats be milked. We also found out about um, how we can take milk and get milk, sorry, from things like almonds and soya beans. So during our, it was about six weeks that we spent focused on milk, we explored it in a multitude of ways because often children that are so young, they are experiencing the world for the very first time. And so it's no good quickly rushing through something. Instead, we want to be taking our time to fully explore it with every single sense. So after our farm visit, we then visited a local supermarket so that we could explore how the milk arrives at the supermarket, how we can have all these different types of milk, the packaging that they come in. We tried and tasted different milk. We um, cooked with milk. We painted with milk. We explored colour mixing. We made some cheese. We had our own milk stall that we organised and practised some entrepreneur skills by um, buying and selling and these children were all four and five, but we learned so many skills around every area of the curriculum by slowing things down, taking our time and allowing children to learn and experience new things around their interest. So our role as an educator is about working as a scaffold to listen to those questions, not always providing the answers for them and engaging in high quality teachable moments that allow for opportunities of sustained shared thinking. Um, and then lastly, I don't know that you're probably thinking this is great for the children, but what about us? What more can we do to support our well-being? Well, as I mentioned already, think about your home. Your home should be your safe place, your place of security that you go back to at the end of each day and you can find comfort, you can find joy. Um, so look around your home, do an audit, think, does this house, does this home have things in it that make it my special place? Have I got photographs in frames? Have I got my favourite mementos displayed on a shelf somewhere that remind me of a great trip that I took to a lake with my family earlier this year? Um, do you have quotes that you live your life by displayed around your house? So think about how your home is yours and how it represents you and the people that live in it so that it's bringing you great joy when you're in there. I also want you to think about having a daily act of self-care. And this is something that I promote in my Huga journal. So I start every day by writing in my Huga journal, thinking of three things that I am truly grateful and I make sure I feel those in my heart. So it might be that I get to have a cup of tea on the morning before the rest of the house wakes up. And as I'm slowly sipping this nice hot tea, I can see the sun rising and I'm grateful for my day. 
It could be that I got to have a shower that morning with my favorite peppermint shower gel and it just woke me up and it made me feel good. It doesn't have to be something huge. Remember, Hoogare is all about finding joy in everyday moments. It's not about a day trip to the spa to try and indulge in some self-care to be happy. It's about little acts of self-care that you can embrace in each day Um, and taking that time to pause and to recognise it. So I had lots of prompts over in my Hoogare journal, which you can buy. And I do have international shipping available. Um, So, yeah, just check out my website if you're interested. Well, I have absolutely loved being invited to talk all about my passion, which is Hoogar today. And if you have any questions or anything you'd like to know more about, don't be afraid to drop me an email or a direct message if you follow me on social media at Hoogar in the early years. And it's been great to... um, be invited onto Renee's show today and I can't wait to listen to all of Renee's future guests. It's such a gem of a podcast and uh, yeah, I hope you all have a really lovely and joyful day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. It really means a lot. It's such an honor to get into your earbuds each and every episode. If you like us, just hit subscribe or like the show, I should say. Um, I also want to pop in and say we have a Facebook group called the Heart of Play Tribe, where teachers like you share tips and tricks of early childhood and purposeful play in their um, classrooms. And we just problem solve and um, just really get into it. So I invite you over there. It's a free group. Once again, it's called the Heart of Play Tribe. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.